Hey everybody, I'm Andy Weinberg, and welcome to episode 16 of the David Wasikinen In the Pocket podcast on wildfireradio.com and phillyrockradio.com. Dave's got a harmonica. It looks like he wants... I had to show little, off a little bit. a little bit. harmonica to the, yeah. to the intro. So yeah, this in is honor our, of Nick. In honor of Nick. This yeah. is our sweet 16. Yeah. It's also our last episode before Christmas. Yeah. So Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. And we got a sweet Christmas gift for our listeners here this week. On the line with us, calling from uh, somewhere in, in the swamps of Jersey. Uh, he's one of the best guitarists to come out of the Philadelphia area in the last 15 years. He's played with a bunch of bands. He's collaborated with a bunch of huge names. He's got a really cool project out right now, and we'll talk about that a lot later. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, Nick Perry on the line. Hey, Nick. Hey, thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on board, Nick. It's, uh, you know, and it's kind of, and I think it's cool that you're out actually working right now. You know, uh, you're out touring, which is really cool. And, uh, and you're from, I always like to say, when we have people on from the, the neighborhood, I grew up in Levittown, and you're from Ben Salem, so you're really not too far from me where we grew up. And uh, then you ended up in Orange County, which I really, I lived out there as well for a bit, so we have a lot in common. And and I love to hear, uh, my friend Ed Abrams was telling me that you are a, uh, he was telling me about your passion for music and uh, all the great things you've done and about the guitars that I hope we can get into as we talk there this next hour on the podcast about some of these cool things that you're doing. Yeah, well, talk about... Well, thanks very much. I talk, appreciate that. Talking about things that Dave and Nick have in common, uh, kind of the music projects that you guys have going on right now are, are similar in a lot of ways. Dave, of course, you know, is uh, at the head of In The Pocket, which is a, a group of uh, revolving musicians, different lineups come in, and then you put out a song every, you know, month or two months or so, yeah. and you've been doing that. Actually, for... this one was a year. It took uh, a while to okay, do it. But... I mean, the idea concept initially was every three months we record something, and it was always, a you know, uh, a, a different lineup. If I could, it depended on people's availability, but uh, right. um, yeah. Right. Well, Nick's got the same thing going on with the Underground Thieves, which is a project he launched back in the spring, and it's different musicians that he's played with through the years, sort of yeah. just like in the pocket. And they put out one song a month. They call them chapters. They're up to six chapters, awesome. and uh, they're going to be showcasing you know those songs and a bunch more when uh, the Underground Thieves play uh, Ardmore Music Hall on Sunday night with uh, my friend Stolen Roads opening up. Mm. Uh, Nick, why don't you give us? Uh, and we'll get to the you know to the old days, to the Silver Tide days, to growing up in Ben Salem, but just give us you know the little the rundown on on where things stands with the Underground Thieves and uh, you know and and uh, your, the progress with the project and and how I know you're really excited about it. So give us the update on the Underground Thieves. Sure. Yes, I am very excited about it. I um, I guess you could say there's a lot of bucket list stuff going on because, number one, I've always been a fan of the sound of a large band, of a yeah. family band, if you will, you know, flying the family stone, right. uh, just that big sound, Allman Brothers, just mm -hmm. a, a big, rich sound. I always played in four or five piece bands my whole life, and I still, of course, love that. Mm hmm but um, I really wanted to be in a bigger group, especially with Hammond, Oregon, and, right. um, you know, three, four-part harmonies and, and just really have that sound. So um, that, and, and even horn. Yeah. So, so that kind of going into this year, um, I mean, I've had this idea in my head to do this kind of band for probably 10 years. I didn't know the exact timing of how it was going to line up, but mm. my last project, came to an end at the end of last year and I was like, you know, there's no time like the present, so let's do it. So I exactly. literally just called my friend yeah. and said, hey, let's do this thing. Right. And everybody, everybody said yes. I mean, I was expecting at least a couple maybes yeah. or a couple let's, let's see, but everybody said yes. So mm -hmm. I said to my wife, like, you know, this is a sign, like it's, it's definitely the right time to do this. I didn't get one no or even one lukewarm Yes, it was just like let's go full tilt. So, Nick, I relate. Um, I relate. It's been a really great year. Mm. Yeah, Nick, you should see Dave's face uh, as, as you agreeing. were saying that because the same thing happened with his project. Where yeah. every, nobody has an ego with something like this. It's, it's amazing. It, right? I, I found out something, and I'm sure you did too, Nick, about 
these guys like in, in my and it sounds like in your band as well the people that you invite they they you know you think you know them but like i i didn't realize i mean they are so super cool and they always always so like you know oh, what can i do and i want to do this and you know i I'm, it sounds like you're going getting into the same thing you know it's it you know i watched some of the videos of what you were doing and you know, just that you can feel the camaraderie. You could you could see the communal kind of thing that's going on there. And we have a similar situation, you know, and uh, it's really remarkable what it does for, I'm sure you were like a little surprised because you said, I was at least thinking I'd get a no here and there. I've never got one either. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. You know what I think it is? As we go through and navigate this business, which is a whole other, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. ball of whack. Yeah, we call it brutal but, sometimes. But, but as we do, yeah, it's like the business has a way of really kind of weeding out, like, who's in it for what reason. Mm -hmm. And the people who are still standing and still making music are making music because they genuinely love music and they can't imagine a life without it, period. Exactly. It's not that. about the money. It's not about the girls and the whatever, mm -hmm. the parties. All that stuff goes out the window especially in this day and age, it's just, you know, it's like, I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, it's so hard, but you know, to make a living in mm -hmm. the music business is not an easy thing anymore, no. unless you're yeah. in the, the 1% who is on, you know, has a lucky break on American Idol or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but I don't even know if they like, make them. I don't even know if they did. You know, most of those shows nowadays is all about yeah, the they, host. And and you see, because I yeah, actually had right. some friends that, you know, one I knew one of the guys that was on the show and it, after it was over, he was done. You know, he got a deal, but it was like, oh, okay. You know, and so, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I love your assessment of it because basically it is, you know, the love of it. And because you, as you are finding out, it's, it's a lot of work and there's a lot of time you put into organizing and and producing and doing what you do um it's all the things that people don't see and um it, it's remarkable Correct. and it sounds to me when i hear you that you're like happy you're having fun man well that's the thing as i said and and you know this kind of parallels not just the musical path but like a spiritual path that as i've kind of progressed through life and kind of mm -hmm. figured some things out at least for me it's like you know i don't want to spend my time here waiting for something I, I have this realization that like hmm. you know the journey yeah. is the destination right. and you make it and happen I don't want to sacrifice the moment I know I don't want to sacrifice the happiness and fulfillment in this moment hmm. for the promise of something later I want this moment to be great and to have fun and enjoy it if not then why do it exactly you know and yeah. it sounds easier said than done but you know from being in bands it's like there's it, you know at times, Shelf it can life. be treacherous. And, you know, it's like a five-way marriage or a four-way, eight-way marriage. It's like, <laughs> Don't I know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, We all know. Yep, so it's I like, do. No, you know. man, I don't want any of that ego shit. Yeah. I, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want to make music that I love right. and do it with people that I love, period. And oh, that's, that's what beautiful. the Underground Thieves has been. Yeah. And, and what it will continue to be because, for once, for the first time, I'm really in the driver's seat. I, you know, I own I own my own masters. Yeah. Um, I, I'm producing. I'm writing, producing, recording, mm -hmm. and um, it's really I have like, you know, the reins. That's fantastic. For the first right. time, right? And it, it really helps. ever, which is, has been a dream. Yeah. It helps, Nick, that obviously, and you, you've said this, you're doing it with people you love. Talk about some of the guys and, and women that are that have been in Underground Thieves with you and tell us who's going to be with you when you play the Ardmore on uh, Sunday night. Sure. Um, so, as some people might know, this has seen um, Brian Weaver who and Walt Lafty, who I've been making music with yeah. since I was a teenager. Walt was the singer of Silvertide. Brian was the bassist of Silvertide. And from the downbeat, I wanted them involved. Cool. And they have been... Um, there's an amazing organ, piano, synth, all things key player named Justin DeFebo. Uh, also a Philly guy. He was in a band called K-Floor, a really cool blues band. Right. I like him. Um, I, he's cool. Who, I watched been him. In a, he's great. Yeah. Um, I also had another friend of mine in California. His name is Brother Sal. And he sang lead and played piano on the first chapter, first single, Graveyard Moon. Mm -hmm. He's an amazing talent. Mm -hmm. Um 
but Justin has been with us for the live thing. Cause it, you know, this whole thing, you know, it's a little bit of a, something to put your brain around. It's like, you know, you're in the studio with all these people. Everyone has schedules and, you know, shows come up and, Hey, can we do this? Can, can we do this? I didn't want to have to say no to anything anymore. I'm a yes man. I want to say yes to everything. Right. So when shows come up, tours come up, I make the calls, say, Hey, who wants to go out and play? Most people say yes, but if this guy can't make it, this girl can't make it, no problem. Right. You know, I'll call some other friends. And that's right. what's great about having been in the business this long. Yeah. I've got a Rolodex, and it's not like, you know, whatever, this is my first choice, my second choice, whatever. It's not like that. These are all world-class players who are my dear friends. Ugh. And um, no matter what, when people show up to see the Underground Thieves, they're getting, a show. you know, world-class. I love players. hearing that, and, man. That's great. Uh, and it's a family. It's a yeah. family. That thing is that oh, we're all connected from some band, from some previous projects, from right. some circles. Um, John Bach, who's an amazing drummer, you know, he played drums with me uh, in my band called Mount Holly, uh -huh. who also had Brian Weaver on bass at the end, and Michael and Anthony Montesano. I mean, those guys. Right. Pepper's Ghost. Um, also from Philadelphia. Pepper's Ghost, right. We grew up with those guys, and they were big. In fact, they recorded a live record, which is um, kind of one of the blueprints, early blueprints for what I wanted the Underground Thieves to be. Because they recorded this live record called Opening Night. I think it's on iTunes uh -huh. um, at the Trocadero. And this was in the early, early 2000s. Um, may have even been in like 2000 or 2001. Mm. I was just a kid. I mean, we were, they, they, they were kids too, but um, a few years older and... It was this amazing record with horns mm. and background singers, and it was just like this big band. It was it was like the last waltz, like yeah. that's the vibe. And yeah. I was like, that's you know when you when you watch the last waltz, it, it you can't help but feel the warmth of that right. night and that band and those people who get up, and you can see the friendship and the years of of musical camaraderie between all of them, and it's like that magic of that mm. night you know, Thanksgiving, I believe, 1976, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. um, that's like what I want every night on right. stage. And that's what this band has been. And, right. and I think it's a palpable energy and um, happiness that people can see yeah. and feel. Yeah, that sounds, uh, it sounds great. It gets you excited just even hearing you talk about it. You know, I, I just recently, the the guys, uh, my friend um, Andrew Lipke just did a, um, he, a couple, five years ago, he did a, a show at the truck where they the reenactment of the uh, of the of the uh, last waltz and they had a string section and a horns i actually played one song with them and actually garth hudson came out and played keyboards and then they did it they did it again no uh, way and they did it again a few weeks ago That's so cool. yeah a few weeks ago at the underground arts and it was it was a little bit of a different lineup Art, garth didn't make it but um it was a remarkable night and, and you played, you played i played night. i played uh, yeah. further on uh, up the road i, I did that with them that night but uh but uh you know it, it, it's an amazing thing and and just the power you know when you were talking about that that whole concept of getting on stage with a lot of musicians when you get a horn section and sometimes you know my case i sometimes yeah i don't know if you have, we have two keyboards play, players that's uh sometimes and it's really it's it's really a, it's a humbling feeling too you're like oh my god you know and uh i i know what you're talking about there's nothing like it and it's like okay take me now lord you're good you know i like it you know you know it's exactly that feeling. Yeah. And when we were sound checking the, for the very first live show and Justin, you know, laid on the B3 and we have the Leslie wow. and the whole thing, it was like, man, like I goosebumps up and down my whole body. And I was like, can I just like hire you to just play in my house every day? <laughs> like, I, this is what I want to be around. The sound of that instrument. Nick, are you, you know, carrying you a B3 it, on the road? Do you have a B3 on the we road? We are. Wow, man. Now, that's we commitment. Full, that in itself, anybody that doesn't know, bringing a, a, a full-on B3 on the road is like, forget it. You know, that's a that's a lot of work. That's five guys carrying a keyboard. <laughs> Amazing. It, it's 425 pounds, and yeah. his is a chop, which means some weight's been cut off, but even then, it's still 425 hey. pounds. My gosh, man. Well, that's so cool you're doing that, man. Well, you know, I, I, I want the... At this point in my life, I just want the real thing. That that would be my motto, I guess, of these days. Just yeah. give me the real. Because you know, right. I don't want to go on a tangent, but I just feel like so much of our society, yeah, is simulation. Mm -hmm. Everything's simulating something. 
and I totally get it. If if the real thing is unavailable, you got it. Or yeah. if there's, mm. yeah, I'm, I have no problem with with that kind of mm. thing. But if it's available to you, yeah, you know, I go, noticed go, uh, go go all the way. I, I just want to I mention think. something about your playing. I noticed something that really kind of struck me as it is because listening to the music that Andy sent, and I watched a video, and you were doing. I forget the name of the song, but you were playing. I, I, I've been fortunate enough, I work with Robert Gordon a little bit, uh, 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 he played with Link Ray and Chris Spedding, and and you played this guitar riff, and it was like, I went, oh my God, this guy is even into, like, I don't know if you know, but you had this Link Ray thing going on, playing tone, you, you were playing a hollow body, I think it might have been a Gibson or a Gretsch guitar, but it was a hollow body guitar, and you strummed it, and you it was like, oh man, this is so authentic. Um, well, thank you. Own. It was I, fantastic. I, I, I'm honored. Yeah, well, it sounded thank amazing, you. man. I didn't. I love that you're you're going for that authenticity, uh, the authentic sound, the 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 real deal. It's really uh, commendable. Yeah, well, play. that's what's in my that's what's in my heart. I can't hide it. I grew up listening to '60s and '70s, yeah. you know, records that were my parents' records and um, you know, friends, families' records. And right. when I close my eyes. Like, that's what's in my heart. And I'm not saying, you know, that it's my goal to uh, rehash or to repeat anything. Obviously, I'm a young person in the mid-2000s, mm. so it's going to come out a little bit differently. I have other influences as well. Of course, there's newer stuff that I like as well. But that's such a huge part of where I come from. To right. deny it would so be your inauthentic. DNA. So just, it's in my DNA. Yeah. So it's like, you know. Yeah. Let's give. Uh, I try not to think about music in terms of that, you yeah. know, in boundaries like that. I just try to like what comes out is what comes out, and it, you know, it happens to be, um, you know, reminiscent of some stuff. That then you, cool that you listen to, That's yeah, that you let's, heard it growing up, yeah. Let's give listeners a taste of uh, what the underground thieves sound like. Let's play uh, their first of their six chapters. This was uh, uh, Nick mentioned it earlier. Uh, Graveyard Moon. Uh, Nick, you just want to give us a, a, a real quick backstory on this before we, uh, we before we cue it up? Sure. The song was written <clears throat> by myself and two close friends, Brother Sal and Cassidy Catanzaro, um, amazing singer, uh, female artist, and three of us, <clears throat> excuse me, had written the song about five years ago. We all just knew, just felt that it was special and none of the projects we were in at the moment felt right to use it. So we were like, all right, we're going to save this for when the moment is right. So mm -hmm. at the, the, literally the moment that this thought became a reality for the underground thieves, I already knew there was no question. Graveyard moon was the first offering. And I thought it was way cool because most bands come out of the gate with like a three minute kind of rock and roll thing to get people's attention. You know, this is a seven minute, you know, mid tempo thing, but I feel like it's, got a lot of depth and soul and it was the perfect way to introduce the project so cool. that sounds great and and people have to listen to the end because yeah it's mid-tempo but to say the intensity picks up at the end uh it would be an understatement uh your guitar solo and then a great uh, keyboard coda uh mm. that uh it, it's a fantastic song so we'll maybe talk a little bit during it but uh thank you let's let's fire up uh, graveyard moon from the underground thieves which i assume people will hear when you guys play on sunday night absolutely <laughs> all right Let's fire it up, Marcus. She lives on my empty bottle, sets it on her chair. She's from west of Colorado, dragged up by her hair. She looks out.
That's great, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really an intense song and, and a beautiful yeah. ending. and uh, Great sound. Yeah. I was asking, I, I didn't hear me, but I, was, I, did, I saw something about Sunset Sound. Did you record some of that at Sunset Sound in L.A.? We did. We did. Cool. Um, we did the first two. Um, thank you very much for the kind words, by the way. We yeah. did um, the first two chapters. Uh, the bulk of, of the recording was all cut live in a room. You know, mm. old school. Yeah. Uh, at Sunset Town in room three uh, was really a wonderful experience. I actually yeah. did um, all of the guitar solos on Silver Tide Show and Tell at Sunset Town. Yeah. So it was like a kind of a full circle moment to kind right. of be back there. Right. And it was engineered and a mix. Um, all the songs have been mixed and mastered as well by Mark DeSisto, uh-huh. um, another Italian uh, guy from. Uh, Boston, but he's he's been in, in Southern California for thirty years. But he's you know he's got great years. I mean, Floyd it's, and Don Henley great, yeah. and Joe Cocker. Yeah, he's a serious guy. And that's a legendary um, and a, and a studio. Legendary uh, studio, um, which you know, I guess that's the studio that Dave Grohl did the um, the um, documentary at some sense sound, I believe, yeah. right? Wasn't that? And yeah, I, and, just, and the Rolling has, Stones recorded Satisfaction a, there, I think. Really. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, then Zeppelin. Yeah, Zeppelin. Right. Zeppelin two, I believe, was done there. Yeah. Um, not not too bad. There's a album. ton of records. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, Nick, pretty you, good. Um, you mentioned Silvertide. Let, let, let's go back to the beginning a little bit, and we'll we'll talk more about the Underground Thieves uh, maybe later in the show. But uh, I'm sure we had a lot of Silvertide fans uh, listening right now. And uh, you guys were what 16, 17 years old when when you guys formed that band, or maybe even a little bit younger. And uh, you know, three, two years later, you're signed to a label. Uh, can you, you know, we don't have a lot of time to get into the whole story, and obviously it's been told a lot, but kind of just recapture those those days for us a little bit uh, of what it's like to be, you know, 16, 17, year old, 17 years old in a band with your best friends, and all of a sudden you get, <laughs> you get signed, signed. <laughs> signed to a label, and, yeah. and how crazy it, it must have been at the time. Can you kind of take us back to those days a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I was 15... Uh, years old when we formed the band, which originally was called Vertigo, spelt with an I. Um, it was and just it was just friends from high school. So Kevin Frank and I went to high school. He played drums, and um, was this we at, crossed paths with was this Mark Father Walt. Judge, or was this at Ben Salem? Father Judge, right? Okay. You know your stuff, yeah. Um, and I was uh, probably a sophomore, so it was you know we're really young. Yeah. And crossed paths with Mark Walt and Brian, who all went to Archbishop Brian. <laughs> and, you know, it was an immediate chemistry, and we all bonded over, you know, just groovy yeah. music that our, you know, all, all these records that our parents had, and Zeppelin and the Beatles. And, ACDC, I understand um, as well. You dug Bun Scott, right? He was one of your guys. You liked him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was big for me. Um, yeah. Still is. So um, all this great, you know, old school rock and roll. Yeah. And in a very short time, by the time I was 16, we were already playing four or five nights a week, um, on South street and, you know, beyond, uh, locally. And, and, um, before you know it, you know, we were, um, in this kind of label bidding war being flown all over the country and kind of wined and dined. And mm. it was just a surreal experience because we were so young and really had no concept of, of, yeah, really how big it was and how rare and special it's only in later years that I, I can look back and be like, that was so incredibly rare and special. And, um, you know, it was just such a, such a special time. And, and, uh, we did sign a, you know, a big deal with Clive Davis. And, um, I, I left high school again, super young. Um, I finished junior year at judge. I was one month or two months into, my senior year at Ben Salem high school and, um, and left and literally, I call it joining the circus and <laughs> I kind of never left the circus, <laughs> I like that. you know, but that's, that's what it was like. It's yeah. like, you know, you're in high school one day and the next day you're on tour in Japan. <laughs> and, um, it really did feel like that because it really happened that way. I mean, there's mm. no, um, exaggerating it. It was just a whirlwind seven year ride that, uh, took me all over the world. And I got right. to play with, many many of my heroes um and just a really incredible thing 
really it's incredible. It's mind-blowing when you meet somebody that's that big, that's been somebody you kind of just saw on TV or came out of the radio, and then you meet him or her, and it's always like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Where are my friends? That, like, I, 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 that happened to me before there were cameras. Like, they had cameras, but we didn't have, like, what we have today. So, you know, I, I've experienced, and I wish I could, even tell people like what I even look like when I saw somebody like McCartney or Mick Jagger. I was like, Oh shit, you know, but you know, and yeah. it still probably wasn't really even, you know, as easy as it is now for you, you know? So you probably met guys that you're like, Oh man, this is one of my heroes. Well, and, some of the bands silver tide open for Aerosmith, Van Halen, mm. uh, velvet revolver with slash and, and, you know, Motley Crue. So yeah. <laughs> must have been some pretty, is, is there one, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of great memories. Is there, is there one or two particular memories of, uh, of those days or, or meeting one of your heroes that kind of stand out ab- above some of the others? Well, I've got a couple really good ones. So, um, you know, every kid who picks up a guitar in some way, shape or form, whether they, whether they know it or not, they're, they're inspired by Eddie Van Halen. I mean, sure. he just changed the instrument and, um, you know, you can't overstate his, his significance. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're on tour with Van Halen. I'm 20 years old at this point. <laughs> right. And every single day, every day I'm in Eddie Van Halen's quote unquote tuning room. Right. With me and him, two mm. guitar amps, two guitars, one-on-one, right. jamming blues yeah. and Clapton and ACDC. He's a huge Clapton fan and right. a huge Angus no. Young fan, if yeah. people don't know this. It's yeah. just super cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you're right. There, there's only one picture I have of me with him. It's, mm. a, great, it's a great photo, yeah. but it doesn't capture 30, 40 days right. of hanging out with him every exactly. day and playing mm. with him. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. It was a magical time, and he taught me a lot about guitars and modifying guitars and building guitars, and a lot of that stuff I came to use in later years. Um, but I just tried to soak up as much as I could from him, and so it was just a, a wonderful experience. The other, <laughs> yeah, you recognize the other one, that. You um, recognize that, Nick. You know that when you're around somebody that given you that, you recognize that. Man, it's incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just in awe you know it was like pinch total pinch me moment all the way through what was the Um, other one nick and the other one i had this tremendous honor of going up and meeting and performing with uh les paul the man the myth the legend Mm -hmm. and uh he had a monday night residency at the iridium jazz club in new york and i went up and i sat in and played with him again i was probably 20 years old at you know max and i had a great time and the, but the truly cool thing is that a few weeks later, he called me to come back and do it again, and I just thought that that yeah. like you did something right. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I got a call back yeah. to like to go up again second mm-hmm. time. Like right, you know, it was just the coolest of the cool. I went up with my dad, and, and uh, I have a photo of my dad uh, and, my, and myself awesome. and all together, and it's it's just the best. It was uh, a true yeah. True honor. Mention, True honor. That's that's a fantastic story, Nick. You mentioned your dad, and we we mentioned your, you should mention your parents, Dante and Mary, still uh, living in Mount Holly, and I guess they still have the uh, the hair place in in Ben Salem, or they do, they do. Um, they have a barber shop hair. I'm gonna go get my hair cut there. Yeah, ben Salem called. <laughs> right, check. There you go. The Perry's on Humeville Road. Free, free I will. I... Perry's <laughs> Perry's barber and styling. And of course, if we're talking your family, we we should mention your sister Christina, who. Uh, had the huge hit, uh, you know, a while back with Jar of Hearts, and and has done some great stuff since. A lot, very talented family, <laughs> very talented musical family. Did you and your sister from the beginning? I mean, were you guys making music from you know from day one, pretty much? Actually, no. Uh, and a lot of people ask this, um, you know, if we grew up in a in a like super musical household, and the answer is no. Both my parents, coincidentally, though, do play accordion. <laughs> which is crazy because my mom's a hairdresser, my dad's a barber. That's already weird, but cool. And, uh, and, but they both independently learned how to play accordion. And, you know, they but it was not a with the Hooters sometime. Like, <laughs> they love it. Um, you know, once a year, once a year, they'd bust them out maybe on yeah. Christmas or something uh, like that. The accordions would come out. And, um, but no, it was not an overly musical household. It was a very conservative household to be honest with you rock and roll wasn't even really a thought mm. until my aunt um we call her 
called her the Dode. Would this she be, she uh, gave me two cassette tapes. I wonder if this was the aunt um, that used to. Uh, not to interrupt Nick, but I wonder if this is the aunt that used to call the, when I was at the Courier Times. Used to call the paper all the time about you. Oh. To, to, to try to get me I, I heard from your aunt usually I'll hear from somebody's parents you know yeah. you could write about my son he's doing all this but I, I think I would, it would I would hear from one of your aunts who's like you gotta write about Nick he's yeah. uh, so I don't know if this is the same aunt but that uh, was her that oh. was her yeah. that's Teresa cool too Harwood. man she uh, sounds awesome well she she was awesome and she she gave me uh, two cassette tapes that changed my entire world and, and I was very I was you know 12 years old hadn't really heard much rock and roll mm. Um, and, uh, the first one was ACDC highway to hell. <laughs> Great record. And the second one was Pearl jam 10. Cause yeah. you know, you got to remember this is the early nineties, right? Sure. Uh, mid nineties, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, both of those records, I mean, two amazing records. Yeah. And, um, that was it. It was like, there's never been since that moment in time, there's never been a question in my mind of what my purpose is mm-hmm. here on this planet. You know, right. it's like my, you know, to make music and to make people happy and hopefully spread some, some joy and some love through music the way it touched me. Right. That's always been my goal is to kind of reciprocate that back because that was such a powerful thing. And even thinking about that moment of first hearing those, those guitar riffs and going into those songs, like it just was so powerful and it still is. Yeah. You know, that it just changed my world and yeah. I've never looked back. Yeah. While we're on the subject of, of the early days in Nick's life, I do have to tell this story. I posted something. I alluded to it on social media this morning that uh, when Silvertide was you know doing pretty well, we, we had a story about them in, in the Courier Times. I was working there at the time. And uh, we ran a photo of the band. And I, I guess you, you know where I'm going with this, right, Nick? I do. <laughs> yeah. So, so we ran a photo of the band. You know, look, now, for people who don't know, you know, Silver Tide was this, you know, they're this hard blues rock band. They had a tough image, you know, and, and uh, so they were wearing whatever hard rock blues rock bands of the day would wear. And, and Nick had on a belt. And there was a word on this belt, and we were on a podcast, so I can say it. And and the word was fuck. <laughs> we call it the fuck belt. And so we ran this photo yeah, in the well, paper, yeah. and none of us, uh, you know, none of you saw it no, before. Nobody, it nobody print. noticed before it went into print. <laughs> so you know, I don't know, eight thousand papers had run off that night, right. and and one of the people in our copy desk actually noticed. And I don't think we can get away with this in the newspaper. So they were able to pull it back after about 8,000 uh, copies went out. Now, back then, and probably still, the early editions went to Ben Salem. Yeah. So Nick's old buddies in Ben Salem got to see this picture, but most of the other readers didn't. So they pulled mm-hmm. it back. And so the next morning, uh, myself, and who edited the article, and, and, and uh, one of the other editors and the, 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 the <laughs> designer, we get, called, in the office. we get called into the editor-in-chief's yeah. office. And it's like, uh, you know, we really, you got to be a little more careful looking at those pictures that right. you write in the paper. Wow. So, so years later, and I, I said, Nick, you know, you almost got me fired with your damn fuck though <laughs> is that paper around somewhere do you have uh, it somewhere that's classic I, I, you know the, the, i don't know if i have the additions with, with mm. the fuck around actually ran it's like kuzma giving the finger in the carrier times back in the early seven yeah. was 70s you know yeah. but i just think it's funny that nick wore that for a publicity photo this one that's great <laughs> nick you know you know what that was definitely my attitude at the time so uh it kind of it makes sense to me, but I apologize that I got <laughs> in trouble, buddy. Uh, it, it passed. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah I, I wouldn't lose my job for another uh, thirteen years, or fifteen <laughs> years or so. But, uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah. So Silver Tide, obviously, like you said, uh, seven years. You put out uh, the great album Show and Tell. Uh, you know, got play on on MMR and and, and around the country, and uh, you know, you played with all these big names, and you're probably thinking this is the life for the rest of you know for the next 20, 30 years. And- oh, yeah. When you're young and you're in it, the end is never in sight. It's, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're flawless. You're, you're untouchable. And yeah. then, um, then you realize that uh, the world doesn't revolve around you and your, and your band. And, um, you know, it's not, a sad, it's not a sad story, but it came to an end like, um, you know, a lot of great things do. And um, it's just the way, the way it, was supposed to play out so it ended i was 22 yeah i had when no idea what i was gonna when do it I, 20, he was 22 oh, yeah. well, when it you ended. were young when enough I, I met walt um we were kind of uh, i remember that there was some sort of i think it was a wmmr um uh show at the 
what is now the pavilion across uh, the Cambion. And I met Walt there because the Hooters played something there, and I met their the lead singer in Silvertide. And I was living in California at the time, but I remember meeting, and he was a really really nice guy. And but I at the time I only knew them from I was working for Universal at the time, so I knew of you from out California and label pushing you and Clive Davis and all that. So, but you guys were very cool. Yeah. But so, like you were well, saying, thanks, man. you were saying, so you're you're 22 years old, and and suddenly you don't have a band, and uh, um, obviously, you yeah, don't. you don't have a job, and you don't, you know, like I had no skills other than guitar. Plus, you haven't graduated yet. <laughs> you're right. You just had to go back to high school. Yeah. 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 That would have been funny to do like the Billy Madison. I thought about that a few times. Like it'd be funny to film it and go back, mm. um, finish my senior year. Um, anyway. Uh, I ended up moving out to L.A., um, not really sure what I was going to get into. Just I knew that I had to play music. I packed one guitar, Les Paul, mm-hmm. and a uh, suitcase and just uh, crashed on my buddy's couch for three months. And um, timing and whatever you would call it, uh, right place, right time. But I ended up getting a gig playing for Perry Farrell. Oh, so, great. Um, yeah. You know, that was the whole James Addiction catalog mm-hmm. and toured the world with him for a year and it was a really great experience it, it looking back now it really helped to um even on a subconscious level reinforce that like okay i i am going to have a future and a career outside of this only thing i've ever known yeah um that's a scary time too really Nick. important for a young yeah. person yeah. yeah yeah you need that, um, reaff- so that was very, ultimately yeah um Ultimately, I, I left Perry, and um, over the years, I've had a few other gigs um, that were not mine that, that I ended up leaving, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, for whatever reason, I, I when I started playing guitar, I, it was, yes, I was obsessed with the guitar and making the guitar um, sing and making it say something, and I still am, but from the very beginning, I was really focused on songs and writing songs. I wanted to write my own songs. And with Silvertide, you know, those were songs that I wrote in my bedroom or co-wrote um, with Walt, you know, or the guys in our bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And hearing them on the radio and hearing people sing them back to you, it's a special thing. It's different than when you're playing with another artist, which, yeah. um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. And it was a great honor to play with the people I've played with over the years. But ultimately for me, where I keep coming back to, I just got to do my own songs. Right. And I've chosen... Some people think I'm crazy, but I've I've left arena tours and bands that have played arena, you know, been in arenas, um, to do small clubs again with my own material, and it, it just for whatever reason it's more fulfilling to me yep. to do that and to have my own songs um, into the universe. So that's a big part of my story and my career, whether people know it or not. That's really influenced a lot of the decisions, if not all of the decisions I've made since Silvertide is really kind of getting back to being in a position where I can share my songs with the world and, you know, hopefully make a living while doing it. And that's been the arc of the last 10 years. It's, right. it's not as easy as it sounds like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to write my own songs and, you know, no, and pay for a wife and a child and a no. house. Um, so, uh, there's been some, you know, trials and tribulations with that, but I'm back on track doing it now. And it is incredibly fulfilling, and it's why the Underground Thieves, you know, is so exciting because they're my they're they're songs that are coming from my heart, and they're important to me to put them out into the universe yeah. and to and to play them every night. And I'd rather do that in a smaller room than play an arena with mm. songs I don't really have a, a connection to. Although I believe in my heart, I have to that I am heading there too with my own tune. Sure, you know that's the bucket list for mm. me. Is is um to play the garden headline with my yeah. own songs and i'm going to make it happen let me know? ask you something when now now for somebody that is doing it this is obviously you're doing it independently correct you basically reach out to you know like because radio there's there's you know the one thing uh, people bag on social media but at the same time it's a you know it's a tool for you to promote but like you know uh, back in the day say when you got signed to clive davis clive davis had a whole apparatus of 
promotional marketing for people that would get a record out there. Nowadays, if you're an independent, you have to maybe reach out to a radio promotions person to try to get your record, you know, noticed across the radio. You look at to figure out your job. There's a lot of stuff that you have to do um, that it, that you didn't have to do before. So, uh, you know, I mean, is this the way it you do that? It is a full-time job. It mm-hmm. is a full-time job. And yes, it falls on the artist to do all of it unless you have a team and build a new team. Now at this point in time, um, I've been very careful because I've been burned multiple, multiple times with multiple projects along the way. Mm -hmm. And I've had other original bands between silver tide and underground thieves, um, that have been derailed for various reasons. But quite often we were failed by the team. Mm -hmm. So I've been very, very careful about letting people into this. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, as, as of the airing of this show, um, not only is the band 100% independent, but I'm also the manager, the booking agent, right. publicist, you know, uh, mm. like that's um, really everything that I've been doing. Actually, I just finally hired a, a really great publicist from the PA area, Chip Ruggieri. Okay. Um, he did the promotion for the last single, but up until then, it's, it's really been me and um, the biggest challenge without a doubt is, is just being heard and, and the internet and social media, um, you know, there's so many great things. There's pros and cons basically to everything in this world. And the internet has brought amazing pros. You can be, you know, making music from home and have it on the internet and be discovered anywhere in any corner of the globe, you know, in five seconds, you know, with the click of a button and that's wonderful. And it's giving unsigned, talent really people with great talent access to be heard without the you know middleman of a record label and a and r person thinking you're good enough or not and right. so many bands have broken that a and r people would just not have signed and the world would never know if they didn't have the outlet to do it themselves at first you know and you do know uh, promoters on the flip side of that What's that? You know promoters around the country and obviously the word for world since you've been on the road. So I'm guessing that to get on tour, you know, generally, you know, I, I don't know if you're actually calling clubs, but I'm, you know, there's people that you can reach out to that will help you who usually have a network. Totally. It's actually, you know. at, at this point in time, it's become more about the band. So like having relationships with, with other guys and bands, girls and right. bands. Um, we got some really great touring opportunities this last year. And it really, I think came from my friendships with, with band members and them saying, Hey, let's take Nick. Let's take the underground fees out on the road this year, you know, um, more so than individual clubs. But yes, I do have some of those relationships. Um, but just finishing that thought, it's like on the flip side of that incredible opportunity, the internet's given us, there's also 100,000 people all trying to get that same 10 seconds of attention from somebody as they're on social media or there's, there's challenges with that too. So I think the biggest challenge at the moment, if you're, if you've got the talent and you're, and you have something going on, the biggest challenge is actually just awareness, awareness that you're doing it and that you exist because there's so many people promoting the same thing at the same time. And when you're flipping through your feed of whatever social social media, you know, someone's on there for X amount of minutes, Right. You know, how many ads are they going to see? Are they going to see your band? Or are they going to see John Doe's band, right. you know, and know that you're there? So yeah. that's the big thing is reaching people, letting them know that you're there. So mm. really, um, half of my focus this year has been on um, writing, recording, producing and releasing music. And the other half of it is figuring out how to get people's attention and let them know that we're doing it well being you know? here being here with us hopefully helps we got yeah. uh, we have uh, you know a, a fair amount of listeners mm-hmm. and, uh, on the show and i appreciate as busy you are yeah. as busy as you are that you took a, an hour of your time to, to yeah. be with us nick i i, I like this story I know, I know dave will will be able to relate to it because obviously as a musician you face rejection at, at various times in your career you told me the story and and, and maybe you can uh, expound on it a little bit here is uh, the time you were i guess about 29 years old and somebody who you respected in the music business basically told you, that's it, you're done, your career's behind you? Um, do you... That's, uh, that's correct. Yeah, can, can you kind of... Uh, well, you got to remember, you got to remember, the old school pop mentality, you know, is just like, you know, and, and I guess to some extent it still happens, um, more so in the pop world, I would think, but, um, you know, 
people in power have always kind of gravitated towards finding young talent. And when I say young, I mean really young teenagers, yeah. you know, that's, and if you look back through history, you know, whether it was Ricky Nelson or, or, you know, even the beach boys, even the Beatles, we're talking when they got their start, they were very young. Right. And that's kind of been a part of pop culture is this, you know, so discovering much. young talent. I totally get it. Right. So much talent that's young. Great. No disrespect to any of that. But to say that somebody who's 29, which in the grand scheme of life, young. is still young, yep. is done is, I think, um, obnoxious and incorrect. Do you and think, I personally I feel... Do, do you think he was, and, and I know you won't tell me who it was, but do you think he was trying to motivate you or do you think he was serious? No, you're done. I mean... Do, no, I don't think it was motivation. He, he, I think he was trying to, in a backhanded way, encourage me to get like on the different side of, you know, maybe I should be a producer. Maybe, you know, like give up the being on the side of the glass that I am. Hmm. And um, as a performer, as an artist, get maybe behind the scenes you know I, I i don't really know that was me reading between the lines well he didn't get you obviously in any event <laughs> no, no he didn't not. get you and, that that, and, that won't happen i'm a drummer and i uh, the same thing i mean i I didn't have that experience, but in so many words with bands I have, and, and you know, it's just that, you know, you know what you're all about, and a lot of people sometimes don't, and I, again, you know, not that I, I want to go out and do this for free, but I would. <laughs> you would, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it's just, um, you know, I, I feel like as a songwriter and as a guitar player, I'm just and I'm not saying this in like some sort of cliche way, but it's like, I really feel like I'm just finding my voice now. And this is the start. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, you know, is that this is the end. This is the beginning. And I've got hopefully 30, 40, you know, more years, uh, you know, screw it. 50 more years of making music, mm -hmm. um, and sharing songs with people. I, I never plan on stopping. It's, it, it's, there's no stop to it. It's just, um, but where I am in my, my, where I personally consider my talent level to be now as a songwriter and a guitar player, I really genu genuinely feel like this is, this is the start. And that's everything great. that's happened before was like a warm up. Yeah. I really do feel that. I, no, it was a warm up for now. And now is the, now is the time. Mm -hmm. Hey, Nick, does, uh, you had mentioned that you didn't really grow up in a musical household. Obviously, uh, your daughter, Tesla, is growing up in, uh, with you playing music. Has oh, she, yeah. Has she shown a, a musical aptitude yet? I, I guess she's, what, five years old now or four? She's four. Um, I play her. I'm a big vinyl collector. Every day we have Record of the Day put on <laughs> you know, the greatest <laughs> records cool. ever, ever recorded. Mm. I, and I tell her, this is Pink Floyd. This is Jimi Hendrix. This is, these are the doors. Yeah. You know, um, and so she's getting exposed to it and she sees daddy playing guitar mm. every day, writing mm. songs every day. Yeah. Um, and she's definitely getting exposed mm. to it, but I'm not pushing her in any mm. way. And, but I will say this: every time we go to guitar center, she runs right past all the guitars and goes into the drum room <laughs> immediately. Bring her over. Dave is very happy. And Dave is very excited to hear that. I love that. She, it's cool. From the time she was little, she's always gravitated towards rhythm and yeah. drums. Yeah. And um, a lot of female drummers you know, that are killer right now, man. Killer drummer. Hillary Jones, monster drummer. You know, so she could be like, yeah, you know, I, playing. It's uh, amazing. Brianna in our friend Brianna. Soraya. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. She's killing it. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to push her. <laughs> She'll find her way. In any way, into, way. into the music business. Right. But if she wants. And if she has the calling in her heart, I will support her, of course. That's a really good well, it's, it's clearly only a matter of time before she's playing drums. Uh, no, no offense to John Bach, but it's only a matter of time before she's playing drums in the <laughs> underground theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. You never know. Yeah, I love you it. You never know. I love it, you know. Yeah. I, I you know. I mean, what Me you're too. doing is really cool. It's inspiring. It's it's. For someone that has a, a project that is somewhat like that, I based mine because when I came back to Philadelphia, I was... Um, 
I lived in California for 20 years, and when I moved back, I was just blown away by how Ch Philly has changed. It was right around the Phillies won the championship, and Rittenhouse Square, where I used to walk through, was a different place. And when I came back, it felt vibrant, and, and, and the energy was wild. So I was sort of remembering about you know bands like the American Dream and Sweet Stephen Chain, and, and then Philly International and Bowie recording there. And I went, oh, I got to do something. So I I relate to uh, what you're doing, and and it gives me inspiration you know um you know you start getting like i'm in you know we're doing a keswick i'm blown away to go play in front of a big on you know, theater with that band and we initially started playing like getting passing the hat for 50 people and you know now you're playing and touring with your band and that project that you envisioned now is a reality and i think with your 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 um passion and your drive it's it's going to really end up doing something special not that it already is. It's well, great. I appreciate. I I genuinely appreciate it, and I just feel blessed and um, just grateful, grateful to uh, have the support that I have, to have so many people have stuck around all these years, and and so many new people are joining the journey. I'm grateful for all of it, and I'm grateful for every minute that I can make music for a living and I, I never take it for granted ever that's awesome hey, the, the last time you played philly i guess was just a couple months ago you guys opened for slash at the whatever the electric factory is called now uh, but uh how'd that yeah. go how, how was that night uh, opening for slash yeah i think it was incredible I, I hadn't seen slash i don't think since i toured with perry because we did shows um velvet revolver and perry farrell but um, obviously, Silvertide did a really big, the very first Velvet Revolver tour ever. So, Flash, of course, Guns N' Roses, hero of mine, uh, hero of most guitar players around the world. Right. He's such a sweet guy. And um, I reached out to him and asked if, um, you know, he'd have any interest in doing some shows with the Underground Thieves. And he said yes. And um, I hope wow. that that was just the first of many more. We talked about maybe doing some more in 2019. Um which would be wonderful. And, uh, but yeah, to come back to Philly. So, you know, the only the underground Thieves second show in Philly and have it be at the electric factory where of course we've all seen legendary shows and it was just a dream and, um, a wonderful, wonderful night. You know, there's no way to, um, you know, uh, say anything else. It just, it was incredible. I mean, just a great, great night. It's called something else now. It's not even the other And we're looking forward to another one. Right. We got one Sunday night, you know? So it's yeah. like, there's something magical about this town. And yeah. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, there's an energy and a vibe. And I think that's why there's so many new venues popping up. I yeah. think Philly is, is um, there's, as, as you've stated and seen, it's gone through changes. And there's been decades where music is like super important to people yeah. and, and decades where somehow it just seems to slip through the cracks. Yeah. But, it's important to people again, and I hope it stays that way because yeah. it's an important part of our lives mm -hmm. and music just makes it richer. So I, I hope people keep going to shows, keep leaving the house and yeah. going to shows because it's important, not just for the artist, but it's important for the experience on this planet to like be moved by something real, authentic and analog. Our whole world is digital now. Like yeah. go do something analog, right. you know, go to see a show. It's, there's no feeling like it, no. you know? It's, no. it is it's such a I'm gonna try to get it. out there Sunday yeah, yeah, grab down and come out and see you Sunday night at the Ardmore and by the way the Electric Factory is now called the Franklin Music Hall just, <laughs> something's uh, wrong with that that's not right yeah. <laughs> hey before we let you go Nick let's hear a little about uh, the, a little of the latest Underground Thieves song um, which uh, I believe is called Fall correct your chapter 6 correct yeah so correct. let's uh, and this uh, set this one up for us this is uh, kind of a different sound from what we heard earlier what, uh, what was the story with Fall Fall almost wrote itself in five minutes. And, and um, real quick, um, I, as people know, have been writing songs for years and years and years, 20 years. And most of the songs I write, I've given over to other people to sing. Um, not that I don't love singing. It's just, I, you know, I write songs, I play them on guitar, other people sing them mostly. Mm -hmm. um, this one I decided to sing because it just felt right. And um, it just, like I said, the song almost wrote itself. It's one of those things that oh. almost just fell into my lap in five minutes. Right. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Yeah. And, um, part of big part of my story is, is intertwined with, with those records and the yeah. sound and the feeling that I get when you put on 
Dark Side of the Moon, the feeling, that's what I've been chasing, right. along with a lot of other great records. Mm. But it's more than the sound, it, mm. it's the feeling that it, um, you get. So mm. I wasn't trying to um, simulate or emulate Floyd in any way. It, it's just a big inspiration. And when sure. I felt that wall, the 6-8 wall, right. when I felt that drum groove, it was like, oh, baby, I know just what to do with this. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, well, let's um, let's great. hear a little of Fall from the Underground Thieves with uh, Nick Perry on lead vocals. This is the song I heard. Yeah, it's a cool song. Yeah. Remind me of Link. Right, right, right. Right. If you want to hear the rest of the song, theundergroundthieves.com, where you can go hear it live on, on Sunday night at the Ardmore. Uh, Nick, that's pretty cool that you do some lead vocals because... Uh, nice voice, too. Obviously, you've been with some great singers through the years, Walt and uh, Jameson Burt back in Mount Holly and, and, and you know, a bunch of others. Uh, do you, uh, you know, considering some of the guys you've sung with, are you at all intimidated to take lead vocals or are you feel pretty confident in, uh, in your singing? No, I'm not intimidated. It's just... It just feels right. I've been singing on stage for, you know, 15 years, background vocals and harmonies and all that stuff. So, um, you know, instead of me supporting X person, now X person is going to support me on a couple songs. That's the cool thing with the Thieves. It's, we got, at any given moment, four or five singers. And like with the Eagles, it's like, you know, Don Henley sang this one, Glenn Fry sang this one, but everybody, Randy Meisner sang this one, but everybody yeah. sings harmony and there's a sound and so with the thieves you know on graveyard moon i'm singing background on danger light i'm singing background on fall mm. you know they'll sing background and right. we all t- are together so it's just yeah. um no i'm i've got no reservations at all it's the right time cool i think i think roger waters would approve <laughs> yeah but uh, has he ever been out to you. see you has he ever been out to any of your shows roger mm- no, I've never met yeah. uh, Roger Waters or David Gilmore. Yeah. I'm putting it into the universe, though, that right. I'd love to um, yeah. one day. Uh, they are true. Pink Floyd's my favorite band of all time, yeah. um, number one. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you've done a um, nice, you've done a nice so. uh, taking, you know, updating their sound and, and kind of making it your own on, on that song. And uh, it, it does sound... Uh, it's Thank a, you. It's a, it's a great listen. Nick, I know you got to run, but I do have to ask you real quick. Are you an Eagles fan? Because... Uh, Big huge win out in LA last week. I didn't know if uh, you're surrounded by Rams fans out there. Probably not, because there's no real Rams fans in the world. But uh, are, are you? Uh, did you follow the Eagles? You know what? I'm a Philadelphia fan, I like and that. I support and encourage and yeah. root for all Philadelphia teams. I'm not a big sports guy. Yeah, um, you're playing a guitar. I'm all a the time. music guy, but yeah. uh, but of course, you know, uh, I support and. Um, I'm thrilled any time that Philadelphia does anything great because I love the city and I couldn't mm. be more proud to mm. be from here. Well, you're always welcome. If you come in and we do something with ITP, you're always welcome to come play with us anytime. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Really great it, it, email me. Yeah, um, If you guys want to come out on Sunday night, I'll take yeah. care of you. 
Excellent. Oh, that'd be great. Excellent. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Everybody should check out The Underground Thieves with Opening Act Stolen Roads Sunday night at the Ardmore Music Hall. Uh, Nick, this is great. I've, I've talked to you a bunch of times, but it's always fantastic to catch up and, yeah. uh, and to, you know, because you're a great storyteller. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the years of support, Andy. I really appreciate it. All right. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, well, Have a safe trip. And, and, uh, and Merry Christmas, cool. Nick. Merry Christmas, Nick. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you See so you. much. See Merry you Christmas. Now. Bye-bye. Uh, the great Nick Perry joining yeah, us. Yeah, that was and, great. Uh, you know, Nick mentioned uh, you know how you should go out and see live music. The amount of live music from people that have been on in the pocket that are playing this weekend. Yeah. I just wanted to run through Greg a couple is playing shows. It. Greg and Bob are playing. Yeah, this Baru weekend, Review right? have their big uh, right. Christmas benefit show right. Friday right. night at, at the Ardmore. So yeah. that's night one. Night two, Saturday night, Tommy Conwell and his band, The Little yeah, Kings. They're going to be at 118 North. Yeah, so, Tommy's uh, great. And then, of course, uh, there's the uh, Underground Thieves uh, Sunday in Ardmore. Yeah. And then after, if that all isn't enough, mm. next uh, uh, Friday, Friday the 28th. No, Friday the 28th, yeah. in the pocket, the big show. I actually Chester rehearsed. Theater. We rehearsed with those guys. And you know what's really cool is that Andy King came and joined us. Right. And he was he was great. There's some surprises that night that are going to be a lot of fun. And, um, you know, everybody was wonderful. Tommy, you know, who was super busy, he came over and he rehearsed. And, I mean, we normally don't, and we did, and it's it's going to be an amazing... Zuzu was there, and Ben, and I'm really pumped about that Well, like that you night. say, I mean, what was it, eight, eight, nine years ago that you formed in the pocket, and you're playing at a restaurant for 50 people? We, they passed or? the hat. Matter of fact, they had the... God bless it. We when we played at the we played at this bar a restaurant down the street and they had a screen up and they they didn't even turn the you know it was like they, we they were a, we were off, an afterthought right. although yeah. there were a hundred people or whatever came in and they passed the hat but <laughs> the screen was still playing the sports on there and you know it wasn't a priority but hey now we go in and. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm thrilled. It for me, like, like Nick, you know, to get up there with such a big band and have it be uh, to go to the. But it's the 90th anniversary of the Keswick Theater. Huge event, and to be asked to play is uh, incredibly um, gratifying. Yeah, that it, it's it's going to be a great night next Friday, the 28th at the Keswick with within the pocket. The other big news for fans of this show, and Dave brought this to my attention before uh, before we recorded today, and I'm not going to reveal anything yet. But it's very possible that our listeners might be able to come catch us record yes. live next yeah. week. Yeah, we're we're planning. Uh, Dave actually put this in motion, and we're, yeah. we we could be at a live remote next Friday. Yeah, uh, the piston maybe. Okay, maybe I'll <laughs> mention it. But there's a diner, and we're working out that it'd be fun, you know, because uh, you can eat and hang out. You could probably even join us if you'd right, like. Right, right. We'll so. it's, well, it's going to be our last show before of the year and yeah. our last show before the In the Pocket show at the Keswick. So it's going to be a special show next week. Mm. And so maybe some of our listeners can come join us at the Piston Diner here in West Deptford, New Jersey. And... Uh, Hang out, maybe you know, maybe ask questions to Dave on yeah. the air. Who knows? Yeah. It, it, it's it's and maybe show. Phil too, Phil, Phil Nicolo. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Uh, it, it's you know, the last show of the, of the new of the year. It'll be a party as as this every week has been. This has been great. Uh, ha- we don't, you know what? Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, uh, uh, Happy Holidays to everybody, yeah, Marcus. Uh, you know, you've been wonderful, uh, Andy. What a great partner to do the show and that podcast. And we've been really fortunate to get some great guests on. You know, the Anitas. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy and Tommy, uh, Kenny, Peru, and Kenny. Charlie Ingui and uh, Richard Bush. I mean, Steve it, Butler, Steve Butler. Uh, we might as well name them all. <laughs> you know, and Randy Sal, Sal's Sal in the Rock Vegas. and Roll Hall of Fame. That's we were right. talking about a Sal's now in the well, Rock well, and Roll his, Hall of Fame. His band is. I don't know if he's Roxy Music, but I'm right. sure he'll be there, right? Yeah, they usually tell you who's allowed to go in, like what members. He I don't better know be. He, well, he was I only there so. for like a two year, two three year yeah. window. So. But yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that's so unfair. But his band is yeah. in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah so. I get it. I played on an Alice Cooper record, and that's I didn't right. go when he got into the Rock and Roll Hall of <laughs> right. Fame. So I'm going. Wait a minute. Right, like Kenny Aronson yeah. played with Dylan, but he didn't. Get no, it. life. You know, it's it's like Nick was saying. The music business could be rough. You know, yeah. Nick was a terrific. Uh, guy to listen to and it's inspiring to hear somebody that's still in my he's young when it comes he's to 34 me, years old i think yeah, yeah he's still a kid yeah. but i've been writing about him since he was a, practically a teenager yeah. so it, it's it's great to see that he's still excited he's always had that passion yeah so good guy it's uh good guy it's a good guy 
Anyway, uh, thank you, as always, to Wildfire Radio, Marcus Darpino, to right uh, Philly Rock Radio. We're uh, very happy to be Boom. on with them. Uh, Dave, you want to play us out with something on harmonica? Oh, I don't see. want to put you on this. Dave brought a harmonica. <laughs> he's still, he says he's still working on it. He hasn't What do you mean working on it? You never stop like working on You know right. what's crazy? i got to figure out how to... Uh, it's a harmonica and see if anybody wants to play along. <laughs> That's it. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, yeah. everybody. Thanks so much for being here on In the Pocket, and we'll see you next week.